Well, good morning. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. We're going to have a lot of fun as we continue in this I'm In series. How we've been talking about if we can get back to the basics, how if we make some ground floor decisions in our lives today, then 2018, and really for the rest of our lives, things can be dramatically changed. And I know that change can be difficult for a lot of us. I know myself especially. As I came to Houston just a few years ago, I experienced a lot of change all at the same time. I just graduated from college, I started my first real job, and I got married, all in the matter of six weeks. So it's safe to say that things in my life looked a little bit different, that it wasn't all about me anymore, that I couldn't stay up super late watching show after show after show on Netflix all by myself, that I couldn't stay up super late playing video games with my friends, but life looked different. I had responsibilities. There were things that I had to do and people that were depending on me. One of the biggest changes that came to my life was moving to a place that I swore I would never move to, to Texas. See, I grew up in Oklahoma, so not too far away, but as I grew up in Oklahoma, things were completely different than how things are here. So whenever I moved down to Texas, there were a few of what you could call cultural shocks that I felt, even though I grew up just one state north. I remember as I was growing up, me and my friends, we had this nice, quiet, peaceful town that had nothing to do if we wanted to do anything fun, if we wanted to go bowling, go to the mall, go to a nice restaurant. We had to travel all the way to the town that was closest nearby. That was a whole 25-minute drive away. And I remember conversations that we would have about, we wanted to be really sure that we really wanted to drive that far. And then I moved to Houston, and what I would give to only have to drive 25 minutes to get anywhere. <laughs> Where I grew up, we would judge the distance off the mileage, not off the minutes. So if somewhere was about 10, minute, uh, 10 miles away, it'd be about 10 minutes. Whereas in Houston, if you want to drive somewhere that's 10 miles away, it's going to take at least an hour. <laughs> Unless the place you're trying to go is off of 290. Then it might be more like three hours. But the traffic was one huge change in my life, something I'd never experienced before. Where, where I grew up, you would drive four minutes to get across town. It was great. But, of course, some changes for us are more difficult than others. And some are a lot easier. And the next one that I experienced was one that wasn't too difficult to grow used to. It was the food. See, where I grew up, there were very limited selections of what you could go eat. But here, it seems like everywhere you turn, there's a new great place to try. There's great food here. You hear about how different states or cities are known for some particular kind of food, like Kansas City's known for barbecue. Chicago's known for pizza. But I feel like now that I've been here, you could be safe in saying that Texas just specializes in food. All of it. So that was one change that I really, really enjoyed. Another change for me, another shock in my life, and one that I still haven't quite wrapped my mind around, is that there are not just sports fans in Texas, but sports are a complete way of life. And don't get me wrong, we love sports in Oklahoma, but you guys take it to a whole new level 
of sports fandom. And I'm not just talking about professional sports or even the college sports. But the biggest shock for me is that even high school sports are a big deal. And I've met countless people who have season tickets to high school football, which just is so bizarre to me. It's incredible. But I've not been able to wrap my mind around it because where I grew up, this idea of season tickets for a high school event of any kind is practically non-existent. And it's incredible that at the end of the high school football season, there can be games that have upwards of 50,000 people in attendance. So for me, coming to Texas, things were a lot different, but the sports was something that I've grown to be really excited about because I've grown up my whole life being a big, big sports fan. And I love it. I love everything there is about sports. And I don't know about you all, but whenever it's time for me to watch my team play, there's a few things I have to get, some necessities for me to watch the game if I really want my team to win. Of course, I have to go and get my lucky shirt. I've gotta wear the lucky shirt, I've gotta wear my lucky hat, my lucky socks, everything. I've gotta wear all my lucky clothes because if I want my team to have an opportunity to win, then I have to be wearing these clothes. Not only that, there's a particular spot that I have to sit at in my living room to watch my team. It comes to be that some part of me, this rational part of me knows that it's not really affecting the game, but there's that small part of me that thinks maybe I sometimes even convince myself that I have to go to the game to attend and watch it in person if my team wants any chance of winning. Sometimes whenever I'm watching the game, it gets intense and I start to stretch a little bit. And then somehow my team makes this incredible play and then I feel this overwhelming need to stay just like this for an extended period of time because somehow this is lucky too. <laughs> but it's every game. But then there's those of us that are like a reverse lucky that you love your team, but you can't watch them. Because you know the moment that you watch one series, one inning, one play, one down, your team is doomed to lose. So you have some ritual, some habit that you always go and do that involves you not watching the game, but just getting the updates. And it's funny how these habits in our life we can use as a good luck charm, how we know that they're not doing anything to really affect the outcome but we continue to do it again and again because we think maybe it does. Maybe it does make a difference. But what we're talking about today is about how if we are not careful, then that is exactly what we can treat prayer like. That our prayer lives can be something that we only use when we're in trouble, when things are difficult. Something that we only use as a good luck charm. I know that I'm guilty of that myself sometimes. As I'll be sitting through the great traffic of Houston, praying, God, please, please, just clear up this traffic so I can get to work on time. Or prayers like, God, please, 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 let the Astros win. And it's not that these prayers are bad, but prayer can be so much more in our lives. What we're gonna be talking about today is what it looks like to be someone who prays continuously, how that's training ourselves to call on God in his presence in every aspect of our life, at all times, in those good times and in those bad times. How as we become people who pray continuously, everything in our life is changed, that our hearts and our minds 
are drawn to God like the magnet pulls the needle of a compass, that we can't help but be focused on him. And praying continuously is something that we see all over in the Bible. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul is speaking to new Christians, to people who just became believers in Christ, and he says this. He says, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He also says in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, he talks about praying continuously again as he gives the true markings of what a Christian looks like. Paul says this, he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. We see that even Jesus talks about this idea of being people who pray continuously. He talks about it in Luke 18 as he gives this parable of this widow. And he says they ought always pray like this and not lose heart. He goes on to tell this parable of the widow who comes to this judge again and again and again, asking for justice. But again and again and again, the judge tells her no. But she continues to come to this judge and asks for justice over and over. And finally, the judge just gives her the justice that she has been asking for. How many of you with kids can kind of relate to the judge a little bit? Where your kid comes to you and they ask for something, they ask over and over and over and over and over and over. And you keep telling them no, 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 fine. And you just give them what they want. That way they'll quit asking you. Or some of you may say, ask me that one more time. Which, kids and students, as you know, that is not an invitation to ask them it again. But what God tells us to do is to come to him that way, to have this shameless persistence in the way we ask and request things of him. But as we're going to be talking about, praying continuously is not just speaking. But what prayer is, is it's communication. It's speaking and listening. If we become people who pray continuously, then we can be people who are also listening to what God has to say to us. He tells us to come to him like a child, like that child. <laughs> but to come to him with this childlike trust and vulnerability. And if you've ever had children, you've ever been around children, or you've ever even been a child, you know that there's this thing about kids that is brutally honest, that they just say exactly what they're thinking, and sometimes you wish they wouldn't. They're honest. We see in Matthew 18 that Jesus says this. He says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God wants from us to have this shameless persistence of the widow and the brutal honesty of a child. To come to him, to tell him exactly how it is that we feel, exactly what's going on in our lives. One of my absolute favorite parts of being one of the elementary pastors here at Community of Faith is that every single week, we give the kids an opportunity to pray. We invite them to go to a quiet place in the room to pray by themselves, to pray with a friend, to pray with a leader. 
even if they wanna sit right where they are and sing the song that's playing over them as a praise to God. Another option that we give the kids is to go in the back of the room. And there's a small bucket there and some small pieces of paper. And we invite the kids to write down a prayer request. Their name doesn't have to be on it, but we wanna invite them to write down the request to God because it's meaningful. And what I let them know is that every single week, I'm gonna go through each one of those and pray with them because I would be honored to pray with them. And as I read through these, some of them are hilarious. And some of them are so moving. This morning, I want us to take just a little bit of time to enter in the mind of a child as they pray unto God. I have a few of those requests. You'll see them on the screen as I read them out. But let's just see what it looks like to be a child with that brutal honesty, with that childlike trust and vulnerability as they go to God in prayer. The first one, thank you for my life. I just wanna thank you for my mom, my dad, and my brother. Thank you. I pray for my friend, that we can get along because we got in a fight. That I can be more thankful for what I have. God, please help me get through my dark times and help me get better. One of my favorites. I pray for Dallas to win the next football game. (laughs) Just being honest. (laughs) My great grandma died last week. Our whole family's devastated. We'll let them know that she's in good hands and is not in pain. She doesn't have to be in this cruel world. My prayer is that my dad believes and loves God, even though him and my mom separated. I want to pray for all the kids with no food. Dear God, I want to thank you for everything. Help me use my time wisely. I won't give up. I want to make the world a better place. I have a few more you won't see on the screen, but just listen to them. God, help our family. My mom is struggling since my dad died. Help us. My grandma was a victim of Harvey and found a new house. She's getting it today. And I wanted to thank God for being with her through the tough times and the good. My dad has a drinking problem. I don't want him to die from it. That my family comes back together. Those prayers are powerful. And they say something about the way in which we are supposed to go to God and talk to him. About how we can be brutally honest with him. Tell them exactly what it is that's going on in our lives. That that is the power, that's the importance of prayer in our lives as we become people who are praying continuously. If we want to be people who pray continuously, we have to pray genuinely. And I think one of the most powerful and one of the most genuine prayers that have ever been prayed, we find in Psalm 22. If you have your worship guide, you'll see it in there. You can look at the screen, but we're gonna take a moment to walk through this prayer together. A lot of you will recognize it as the famous final words of Jesus before he died on the cross. In fact, it's the most quoted psalm in all of the New Testament. But we'll start in verse one. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. 
Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you've been my God. David's being brutally honest with God. He's telling God, God, I feel like I'm praying out to you, but you don't even hear me. You don't care what I have to say. How many of us have felt that way before? Like we're going through something that's very difficult, whatever it may be, and it's like we're praying out to God, but he doesn't even hear what what it is that we have to say. We start to feel like he doesn't care. David says in verses four and five, I have seen you answer the prayers of my fathers, but why aren't you listening to me? Have you ever felt like God is answering the prayers of everyone around us, except for our own? can be difficult. And that's what we see that is happening for David. And he's showing us something so important that we can't hold back as we speak to God in those bad times, but also in those good times. When we face things that are great, when we're in a season of happiness, of joy, where we find all this joy in everything that's going on around us, that everything seems to be going right, we go to God genuinely and say, God, thank you so much for this time in my life. So I gave birth to this child as me and my spouse are working things out, as I'm doing well in school and things are going great, as I'm making new friends. In those good times and in those bad times, as people who pray continuously, we go to God in all of them. And David shows us that it's extremely important that we have to speak those words out to God because God has wired us to be healed as we say words out. In fact, a group of psychologists at UCLA, they did this study in 2007, and it was led by a guy by the name of Matthew Lieberman. And what the research showed was that when we name an emotion, we actually diminish activity in the amygdala and other parts of the limbic system, which is the part of the brain thought to be largely responsible for feelings of anxiety and other stress-related emotions. So as we speak things out, God has wired in us to be healed as we say those things out loud. He's created us that way. That idea of speaking your feelings out is exactly what makes something like counseling so effective. And as people who pray continuously, we know that we can come to God as our great counselor. As he's there for us, as he hears us, as he listens to us. David also helps us to see that we can't stop there. We can't just tell God how it is and then stop talking to him. Because as we don't hear God answer us again and again, we can be tempted to wanna just stop praying. We'll continue on in verse 11 as David says this. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. And there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. 
I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. After David speaks out genuinely to God, he turns to remember all the things that God has brought him from. We see in that verse 19, he says, you are my strength. He remembers that God has done things for him in the past, that he's heard him, that he's answered him, that he's brought him out of some difficult times. And after we call out to God and we tell him what it is that we're feeling, we have to take time to remember what he's done in our lives. About a year before I moved to Houston, I was in the, one of the most difficult times of my life. I remember myself and my family, we were at the hospital because my brother had this long-term disease, this disease that he was born with. The doctors were saying that he has no chance of living. He's not gonna make it. I remember as we were in the hospital, all of my prayers, day and night, were all encompassed by God, please heal him. Please cure him. Whatever you have to do, God, fix the problem. I'll pray this day and night, the entire time that he was in the hospital. And things started to look up. And I kept praying, God, please just keep healing him. Help him get out of here so he can go back home, so we can continue our friendship together. And after a couple months in the hospital, he died. My brother Matt passed away. I remember whenever this happened, it felt like God wasn't even listening to me. It felt like God didn't care that I had been praying to him. Like he wasn't even listening to my cries for him to heal my brother. The only thing I could say is why? Why, God? He was so good, so kind, so loving. I don't understand. Quickly, my whys turned into anger, to bitterness, where I started to scream to God, I can't believe you've done this to me. I got to a point where I felt like it wasn't even worth it to pray anymore because God wasn't gonna listen to me anyway. And then he revealed to me something so important that I was spending all of this time yelling at God that I never had time to listen. Because prayer's communication, it's not just us speaking. And sometimes the most powerful prayers that we could ever pray is silent, sitting in the quiet, listening for a whisper from God. But sometimes we don't get a whisper and that's okay. Because God can speak to us, and he does speak to us in a multitude of ways. 
can speak to you through a conversation with a coworker. He can speak to you through something you hear on the radio. He can speak to you as you come here to church, as you encounter people. He can speak to you through the Bible. As those are the very words of God. He speaks to us in the subtlest of ways sometimes, and a lot of times in the ways we don't expect it. Sometimes in the ways we just had no idea that he was speaking. But the problem is if we keep yelling, we never have time to listen. I felt a lot like David when I lost my brother. I felt hopeless, confused, lost. But as God revealed to me that I never took time to listen, I started to reflect on all of those things that God had given me, a family that loved me, friends that surrounded me, friends that were there for me in this difficult time. But I was even able to reflect on all of those sweet memories that God had given me with my brother. That God has done things for all of us. He's given us family or friends. The fact that God has brought us here today is a testament to that he loves you, he cares for you, and he hears you. Because he's present with us. As David continues in this psalm, he moves on to another crucial part of what it looks like to be someone who prays continuously. After we pray genuinely to God, and then we reflect on the things that he's done in our life. Then comes praise. We'll continue in verse 22. It says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. He has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in this great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Verse 22, we see that David starts to say, I'm going to share this with those around me. Because as people who pray continuously, God works so much in our lives that we can't help but share that with others so they can also experience the hope and the joy. Sharing is crucial in our lives as we're people who pray continuously. A few weeks ago, if you were here, Mark was talking about how our COF logo, our community faith logo, is where function and mission meet. And if we wanna be people who are functional, then we have to be people who are living a life of praying continuously in this spirit of always praying. And we're also to be on mission. In community faith, we're doing amazing things all across the world. God is doing amazing things all across the world through you, through your gifts, and also your prayers. And one of those places we've been seeing some amazing things happen is in Nicaragua. 
where the entire country of Nicaragua is being transformed through this simple act of feeding a child. When we become people who pray continuously, everything is changed. Not just in our lives, but the lives of those around us. The American philosopher Dallas Willard said this. He said, the more we pray, the more we think to pray. And as we see the results of prayer, our confidence in God's power spills over into other areas of our life. We wanna be a people who pray to God genuinely and then reflect on what he's done in our lives and share it with others. But again, we wanna do that together. Last week, we had such a great response to people being in on the Shalom text where we text you just once every day of the week uh, a Bible passage. Nearly 1,000 of us had signed up for that and it was amazing and we wanna provide you guys another opportunity. What we wanna do is we want to send you through text a scripture prayer a prayer directly from the Bible, a lot like Psalm 22, because we want to help remind ourselves together to be people who pray continuously throughout this entire week. In your worship guide, you'll see a number, and you can text COF prayer to that number to subscribe for the prayer scriptures. If you were a part of this Shalom text, we wanna let you know that we promised we'd only do that for one week, so you will have to re-sign up. You'll have to text the number. You'll have to text a COF prayer to that as well as we re-sign up. And we just wanna send you five texts, one for every day of the week in the morning to help remind us to be people who pray continuously. So with that, let's pray together this morning. God, I pray that you can just help us speak to you genuinely, to tell you exactly what it is that we're feeling, exactly what it is that's going on in our lives. I also pray that you remind us what you've done in our lives and remind us to listen to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to worship freely here and to share this great news of what you're doing in the lives of so many around the world. Thank you for what you're doing here at Community of Faith. In Jesus' name, amen.